You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 105. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Hello, Neverland. Take that pixie out of your pocket, shake some of that pixie dust around, think your happiest thought, and let's fly away to Neverland again. My goodness, there's some fun news this week, and this is the beginning of our third season, which means it's time to start introducing some new segments. And of course, this week also, we're going to continue listening to the story of you know, name your Star Wars movie <laughs> for the first three of the original trilogy, all leading up to The Force Awakens coming out very, very soon. My goodness, we have so much fun to get to that I just want to get started right into it. So here we go. Your attention, please. Disney movie news. Okay, technically this isn't necessarily movie news. It does relate to a Disney movie, but this is more about television. Uh, Saturday, December the 12th, that is this coming Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific Time, so basically for me it's going to be 7 o'clock Central, the wonderful world of Disney is coming back to television. Seems to be just a one night only, but maybe if this goes over well, they'll do it again. But Disney legend Dick Van Dyke is going to be hosting an airing of Mary Poppins. Okay, uh, this is going to be presented by Target, which... Yeah, that's, I guess, kind of fun. Uh, so that basically means you're going to see the bullseye, the little uh, little dog there. I think he's a little pit bull or something, cute little dog that Target uses, you know, has a little bullseye over his eye. Uh, he's going to be popping up uh, in the middle of this, apparently. Uh, so as a mascot, now, of course, I would think you know, if you're going to have a bullseye popping up, find a way to have, I don't know, from Toy Story 2, bullseye, but, you know, whatever, Target's a sponsor. Uh, but there's going to be some new footage where Dick Van Dyke is going to take you on a magical journey into Disney's archives. And you're going to be able to find a few treasures from, you know, props from Mary Poppins and a few other Disney favorites. Uh, he's going to share some insights about the movie. And, of course, I mean, it's Mary Poppins, so this is going to be fun to watch anyway. Uh, I mean, lots of fun coming up on this. And uh, there's really no reason for a Disney fan not to watch. It's Mary Poppins. I know you've seen it probably a hundred times, almost as many times as you've probably seen Star Wars. But come on, hosted by Dick Van Dyke. I mean, the guy just turned 90 even. I mean, that's fantastic. Oh, and by the way, happy birthday, Walt Disney. As of Saturday was, of course, his 114th birthday, which is also awesome. But yeah, so this is, it's a movie. So it's movie news, but it's also television news. I definitely had to share that one. And make sure you're setting your DVRs. Make sure you watch this. Share it with your kids. Have a wonderful time with the family. It's going to be great. This is Gary Gnu. And a no Gnu's is good Gnu's show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. Neverland News from the Disney Parks. Okay, now this is very, very cool. And this is something I, I didn't know would not have been in there. Uh, because I have never actually, while at Epcot, been on the Grand Fiesta Tour. 
Uh, I, you know, I wasn't at Epcot for very long on my one trip over there, but they have brought some audio animatronics back into Walt Disney World that have basically been on a world tour kind of for 35 years. What I'm talking about here is the Three Caballeros. Uh, They originally were there at the beginning of the Magic Kingdom back when they had the, uh, you know, Mickey's review. uh, uh, Well, more specifically, the Mickey Mouse review. Uh, that was there on October 1st of 1971. I mean, had all kinds of different Disney characters all singing different songs from Disney film and things like that. Uh, there's some wonderful video on YouTube if you want to go and check that out to see what it's like. But, uh, you know, it was t- since been torn down. And these three characters, uh, you know, uh, it's a Donald Duck and Ponchito and uh, Jose... Um, I thought Jose had a bit more to his name, but I guess it is just Jose, really. But uh, they have been in Tokyo Disneyland uh, because they they closed the the Mickey Mouse review at September 14th in 1980, and they moved these three characters over to Tokyo Disneyland. Actually, I think the entire show went to Tokyo Disneyland because I think the footage I've seen is from the Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, I may have seen uh, some home video footage on YouTube. You'll have to go and look it up. Uh, But it's been there. And they were there for like 26 years, uh, but of course, then you know Mil- Mickey's PhilharMagic came around in about 2009. But anyways, these three characters have now been brought back. Uh, December 4th, uh, this past week, so that would have been on Friday. The figures made a grand return to the Walt Disney World Resort and actually surprised some D23 members and and World Coat Showcase guests. Uh, they're in the finale now of the Grand Fiesta Tour, starring the three Caballeros, um, and they're singing a samba. Now, see, I thought when they changed it over to the three caballeros the characters were making appearances and so i was confused when i first was hearing this news but you know to get it specifically down to oh well these are the same figures that were once used in the mickey mouse review and they've been of course reprogrammed doing the new song Uh, there's some great video that they have uh that was shot by jeremiah good uh and i've seen also some video uh, from inside the magic i of course don't have any video because i'm not over there but there's some really cool video you can check it out there's some really great photos on the d23 web site go and check out these characters lots of fun great to have them back i really do look forward to getting a chance to go down there and seeing them for myself because i have never ridden this attraction so i really need to go and do it i need to spend a lot more time in epcot than i have clearly uh but now okay i have a brand new segment that we're going to start this season. I don't know how if it's going to be every week that we'll we'll have something we can feature on this, but uh, you know, as often as there's something to do with it, um, we're going to have this brand new segment here on the Neverland podcast, and I'm calling it the Neverland Trailer Park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator, give me that shovel. Come here. Get him, mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. It's the first edition of the Neverland Trailer Park. So we're here with Lost Boy Eric Warren. Howdy, howdy. Hey, howdy, hey. And so what we're going to do with this new segment is we're going to, of course, talk about some movie trailers. And here in the last few weeks, there's been at least three that we find to be important because they're either Disney or just kind of geek-centered. And uh, the first one we want to talk about is the new trailer for Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Who's that? You must be new. That is Bruce Wayne. Mr. Wayne, Clark Kent, Daily Planet. What's your position on the Bat Vigilante in Gotham? 
Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the law is a little hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien. It could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's the Gotham City in me. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. Do you know the oldest lie in America, Senator? That power can be innocent. You're gonna go to war. That son of a bitch brought the war to us. You know you can't win this. It's suicide. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. It's time you learn what it means to be a man. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Man won't kill God. The devil will do it. What have you done? with you. I thought yours was you. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> yeah, speaking of doom, um, I've been hearing a lot of people thinking this weird monster at the end is doomsday. What do you think? You know, um, I've, I've been hearing some speculation, and I think that, you know, definitely from visual, visually, that's uh, what they want us to believe, is that this is uh, Doomsday, or at least a version thereof. See, I'm kind of thinking, all right, it looks like, you know, he Lex Luthor has General Zod's body, mm-hmm. and he does something. Now, in, in one storyline with Bizarro, Lex Luthor clones Superman and creates Bizarro. Mm-hmm. So what if he tries to do a weird clone thing with Zod and ends up creating this thing? And so basically this is Bizarro. Well, and, and that's some of the speculation that I've been reading uh, online as well, is that uh, this is some sort of a fusion between uh, what could be a Bizarro and Doomsday. Yeah, because they, they, I don't know using they Zod. Go Doomsday all the way. Yeah. Because the Doomsday came from some other planet or something. Uh, uh, actually, in the comics, Doomsday was a uh, Kryptonian creation. Hmm. Well, so if you have start with a Kryptonian and I don't know, have a Lex Luthor mix in, you know. Of course, I, I so far what I've seen from people who think this might be Doomsday, they seem to be hit disappointed in the idea of how they're presenting Doomsday. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, you know, I, I really wasn't that big of a fan of Man of Steel. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm a big Superman fan. I'm a big DC Comics fan, but you know, this the whole. 
uh, Zack Snyder uh, universe has not really had much of an appeal to me. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm interested in seeing where they're going to take it. Yeah, I really with Zack Snyder being on board and I'm not really that keen on Ben Affleck, uh, mainly just I, I just guess, uh, I just don't like Ben Affleck, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I've just not been keen on that. Uh, but actually, this trailer was very interesting, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful about this because I don't want to get slightly, start to get a bit excited about it and then say, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to go see this and then be completely disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I'm pretty much the same way. The, the very first trailer that came out really didn't impress me. It looked like Zack Snyder's fanboy dream of making the Dark Knight, you know, but yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, I was going through some of my old Wizards uh, magazines from a few years ago. And, you know, about a decade ago, they were touting Ben Affleck as Batman uh, before the Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie. So wow. that's kind of come full circle. But the, the whole gritty superhero aspect that they're going with these films just really hasn't appealed to me. And I saw some this posted somewhere online. But if you want to know how close the the filmmakers are to making Superman uh, a character like he is in the comic books. See if he's got a spit curl. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> Lois and Clark, no spit curl. Man of Steel, no spit curl. So there you take, go. Take that as you will. There you go. Although I have liked that there's a bit more iconic style imagery. I think they're doing with him. Uh, and I think they've recreated a a uh, cover. From the, what was it, Justice, that Alex Ross did all the art for. I, I can picture this Alex Ross art, but they have this nice little shot in the trailer where you have the silhouette of Superman in the clouds and everything and someone reaching out for help. Mm, and I know to, I've seen this image before. Mm, you know, I, I'm trying to recall that uh, off the top of my head. It's just not coming to me. And I, I know I've got the entire Justice series. I think I'm going to go back through that. Either that or it was just some Alex Ross art that he had done at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, there's another good comic cover kind of flash in there in the trailer where you see Batman right before a, a like a shot, big, big red laser thing comes nearly hidden, which I don't know it came from Superman or from uh, Monster. But he kind of goes to a billboard and he's in that pose from the, I think, the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it flashes real fast and that's it is pretty cool that they're doing these little tributes in there. But yeah, it might be a little bit more of the Zack Snyder. Uh, I wish I was making the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I suppose oh, yeah, the way he is, because uh, the Dark Knight Returns did have a Batman versus Superman where Batman does get like this big armored thing so he could fight with Superman and actually manages to slug him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe he is making that movie, only trying to add some other elements to kind of fit it in with uh, what he'd done with Man of Steel. Well, you know what? If they, if they start talking about being in a mud pit and being a, a surgery table, then I think we'll we'll know for certain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like, though, that he's taken into account uh, some of the biggest complaints that the fans have had with Man of Steel is that Metropolis gets totally trashed, and that's very un-Superman. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're getting the angle of seeing Bruce Wayne being in Metropolis and like, oh my goodness, this this Superman shows up and all this destruction is happening and people are getting hurt and this is horrible. And so he looks at Superman and says, you know, you're not some big savior. You're a phony. You're, you're going to just bring in more trouble for us. Mm-hmm. And innocent people are going to get hurt. I like that. That, that. that gets me to kind of, you know, choose a side in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it definitely also gave me the vibe that uh, Batman had existed, yeah. but that he's been reta- retired for some time. Again, making reference back to Dark Knight Returns. But, uh, um, but they also 
towards the end of that trailer, you know, show that it, there's there's not entirely animosity between them, at least in the latter parts of the movie, where they see Doomsday shows up, they see Wonder Woman show up, mm-hmm. and they both say to each other, I thought she uh, was with she you. With you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. So, because I knew it was going to go that direction when you when you put the subtitle Dawn of Justice, you know this is the beginning yeah. of a Justice League. Yeah. So, you know, and, not shocking. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, you know, when are they going to show anything other than uh, that one still of Justin Momoa as Aquaman? When are we going to see more of that character? Um, Probably about the, as much as we saw Spider-Man in the Captain America Civil War trailer, <laughs> which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, there, there, there's these characters that we know are part of the movie. You know, there there are going to be other cameos of other members of the Justice League that show up in this movie, so... Yeah, we'll just have to, I guess, wait and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not quite at that point where I'm going to be going out to see this, uh, first thing when it comes out. I'm, I'll wait you know, for reviews. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I wasn't terribly impressed with Man of Steel. Um, so I'll, uh, again, I'll wait and see what, what kind of information, what, you know, if there's something there that's going to hook me more. Yep. And I think we've covered all three of the basic tiers of questions I want to do for this trailer, so let's move on to the next one. All right, that's going to be Zootopia. Coming through! This is Officer McCorn. We got a 1031. I got this! What? Officer Hop! I am in pursuit! Woo-woo! Uh, I need you to run a plate. Flash is the fastest guy in there. He can run the plate like that. Wait. They're all slots? Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing... Fine? Well, what... Hang in there. ...can I do... Well, I was hoping you could run a... Play- for you. Well, I was hoping you today. could... Today. Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm-hmm. Zero three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. Priscilla. Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What do no. you call a three-humped camel uh, pregnant? Okay, great, we got it. Please jump. Hurry, we've got to beat the rush hour in. It's night! 
All right. right? Now this, <laughs> this one, I don't know when you hear just the audio if it carries some of the humor in it because one of the biggest moments for this, and granted, it's a little creepy when you watch it, but yet it's funny where uh, Flash the Sloth is starting to laugh at the joke they tell him, and it's this slow build where first the eyes go wide and this grin suddenly grows into this huge open mouth, and then finally, ha, ah, and he slaps the table slowly. Mm-hmm. But it's just creepy watching his eyes widen and the mouth go slowly out like that. But it's still a- funny. Yeah, Actually, that was my favorite part of this trailer was watching <laughs> that slow yeah. build. That slow build. It's a little creepy, but it's just it is really funny. Yeah, in fact, my kids can't stop sharing that joke from the trailer. Uh, that's not even a funny joke. <laughs> Ooh, why did I that camera more... three pumps? It's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, you know, this, this trailer does do a good job of introducing us to the characters in the film. You've got Officer Judy Hopps, you know, mm-hmm. who's a rabbit. She's trying to solve this whatever mystery is going yeah. to be involved with the plot. And she just wants to try and get this done as quickly as possible. And she's, because she's a rabbit, and so everything has to be fast. Exactly. And she's partnered <laughs> up with uh, this fox, Nick Wilde, who, you know, I get the impression he doesn't necessarily want to help her uh, right. at, at least get to a quick solution here by, by taking her to find out the information that they need about this license plate. And, you know, what better place to go to find out about uh, driver information from a license plate than the DMV? When being a police officer, I'm sure she has access to that information back at police headquarters. Mm-hmm. But, uh, of course, being a fox, he is sly and sneaky. Exactly. They're very much going for typical character type of things with the different animals from the look of things. Mm-hmm. And really, I overall, we're not seeing anything terribly new. I mean, we're used to seeing it, uh, what is the word, anthropomorphic, or I probably messed that word up completely, but with, you know, animal, human-animal characters. I mean, it's not something new to Disney. Oh, certainly uh, not. I, why they've titled it Zootopia, I think they're trying to be like, oh, look, it's a city of animals. But it, maybe there's something more to the title than that, because Zootopia seems weak if they're building the print of, so, oh, look, it's a city full of animals as, acting like people. Like, yeah, so Robin Hood and, you know. Yeah. Hmm, a one na- or a one word title coming from Disney. We haven't heard anything like that. I'm sure they haven't tangled themselves up in any frozen conspiracies. Uh, or, yeah, they a... expect us all to be enchanted by this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm hopeful for this to be fun. I, you know, So far, it hasn't really impressed me, other than the fact that it's Disney. That makes me want to go. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's just like, you know, without really knowing anything about the plot, and I feel like we got a different version of the scene that when they were showing a, a scene from Big Hero 6 to kind of tease it, and they had the thing there with the police officer, which yeah. I think played a lot funnier than this did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it was giving us the same sort of thing, only giving us a different concept with Flash the Sloth, which was definitely a lovable type of character. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, unlike uh, Baymax, who was the focus of the humor and the Big Hero 6 trailer, yeah, I don't think Flash was going to be that big of a character in the, you know, when it comes to the plot of Zootopia, so... Yeah, unless they're planning a surprise and he's going to actually be around a lot more than that one scene, mm-hmm. which would be great, you know, <laughs> to find mm-hmm. a way to sneak him in. It's it's, it's a much better uh, version of a sloth than what we got with the Ice Age films, <laughs> which had one film so far that was good out of, I guess, now are we working on the fifth Ice Age film? I've uh, lost track. I, I, yeah, I've lost track as well. I think Scrat's about the only... Uh, Part of that, uh, <laughs> the only good carryover. Yeah, love the first one though. The second one was good. The third one was, eh, fourth one was awful. 
And mm-hmm. now I saw that trailer for the fifth one and really, or, or no, it wasn't a trailer. It was an animated short that was previewing to the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, 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 for, for me, I'm a big di- animated Disney fan. So I'm always looking forward to, you know, what they're coming up with <laughs> next. And, and I really am looking forward to this. I mean, uh, Nick the Fox is, uh, voiced by Jason Bateman. Which who, is fun. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just waiting for some sort of, you know, reference to Arrested Development to come up in this movie. Um, you've got Jennifer Goodwin, who's uh, on Once Upon a Time as Judy Hopps, and you've got, um, well, really, the guy who seems to be Disney's version of John Ratzenberger showing up in every movie, uh, Alan Tudyk. Oh, and I know I know who that is. Oh, he's Wash on Firefly, but in uh, the last few Disney movies, he's been... Uh, the, 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 he's the guy from Weaseltown in Frozen. He's King Candy. Uh, Rick uh, Ralph. Rick Ralph. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the, uh, industrialist from Big Hero 6 who built the machine. Huh. So. Well, I didn't realize he'd been doing all that. So yeah, Alan Tudyk's very much becoming the, the John Ratzenberger of Disney films, of yeah. Disney animated films, so. And definitely a great job with King Candy because it really reminded me of that, that, uh, one old actor that was in Mary Poppins who, uh, his uncle, uh, something in his foot. Oh yeah, like, Edwin. Yes. And uh, he did a lot of different voices for Disney at the time as well because he had such a fun way of speaking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, King Candy seemed like it's such a good tribute to him that I. Oh yes. Oh, props yeah. to Alan Tudyk. Of course they're going to reuse him. If he can do that, you know, he's got to be capable of a lot of different things with his mm-hmm. acting and his voice. Mm-hmm. Well, almost definitely. Oh, most definitely. Uh, so, yeah, overall, excited for this, mainly just because it's Disney. We don't really know much about the story, but, you know, it's Disney, so we're we're going to go. We're probably going to love this. This will be great. We'll, we'll probably learn a lot more when they get around to another trailer. Mm-hmm. All right, but it's time to talk about our third and final trailer, which, uh, well, yeah, there's probably a lot of hidden stuff in this one, but it's going to be Captain America Civil War. And all I can say is this brings the feels. Buck, do you remember me? Your mom's name was Sarah. You used to wear newspapers in your shoes. You're a wanted man. I don't do that anymore. Well, the people who think you did are coming right now. And they're not planning on taking you alive. see you as a hero, there are some who'd prefer the word vigilante. You've operated with unlimited power and no supervision. That's something the world can no longer tolerate. I know how much Bucky means to you. Stay out of this one, please. you only make this worse. You saying you'll arrest me? There will be consequences. Captain, you seem a little defensive. Well, it's been a long day. If we can't accept limitations, we're no better than bad guys. That's not the way I see it. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I just want to make sure we consider all our options. Just people that shoot at you usually wind up shooting at me too. You know what's about to happen. Do you really want to punch your way out of this? 
do we do? We fight. Sorry, Tommy. You know I wouldn't do this if I had any other choice. But he's my friend. So was I. Yeah, the very, definitely at the end, as you were saying right before we played the trailer audio, that brings the feels, that last line at the end. I thought we were friends. <laughs> I thought I was your friend. I yeah. I was your friend. Oh, that's, that's where we're at, like, oh, it pounds. And I'm kind of glad they're, they're able to do that, because when, when Marvel, in comics, when they did the Civil War story, you had a lot of history between Iron Man and Captain America, where they were, like, best friends. And, you know, there's there's a really great... um comic I have during the Civil War that they put out where it has just, you know, Tony Stark meeting with Steve Rogers at the old Avengers mansion. And they're just, you know, kind of meeting on neutral ground to kind of talk about old times and and try to talk to each other, say, you know, we we need to end this, you know. But uh, it goes through and shows Captain America talk to Iron Man. It's like, you know, you're relying so much on your armor that your fighting ability hasn't come along. And so it shows Steve Rogers training him and teaching him how to fight to make him a better Iron Man. And so you know, you helped to establish to remind everybody, hey, these two have this long history, a good long friendship. So when it comes to that final issue of the Civil War um, storyline, when they're battling it out to the bitter end of this before Captain America finally just surrenders, it's tragic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad to see that in the movie version of this, they're trying to play in that element to say, you know, this is kind of a tragic thing. This is an kind of a, I don't know if it's going to be the end of a friendship. Really, but it's definitely a test on the friendship, and they're going to have to be enemies during this, mainly just because they're on opposite sides, and it looks like instead of a superhero registration act, this kind of leads you to believe that it's all has to do with the Winter Soldier, and he's slowly becoming Bucky again, and, and it looks like Steve really wants to help, help him come become Bucky again, and maybe be the hero that he's meant to be, but the world still looks at him as this terrorist. Right, right, and, you know, it, it really is a very interesting uh, twist on the Civil War storyline. Um, I, I do think that registration is probably still um, going to be part yeah, of the plot. Definitely. Because there, there's some talks about, well, we've gone through and had nobody that really holds us accountable for what we do. And you're really, as Captain America, you're still kind of a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Well, and which really is still kind of a twist in uh, Tony's character arc from Iron Man 1 through the Avengers is... If you remember in Iron Man 2, when they wanted him to give up the uh, technology for a suit, he was, no, it's mine. You can't take it. You can't have it. It's me. I'll do your job for you. But he's still taking that on to himself. He's not uh, giving himself up to the government to be used as he as they would want to use him. Yeah, it was more like he, he won't give them the armor and the technology, but he will be at their disposal. So I think it still kind of fits that way. He doesn't want to give them the technology because, you know, government tends to sometimes abuse power. And I, it, it kind of reminded me of Captain Nemo from uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, mm-hmm. where, you know, he's doing a lot of kind of rotten things. But when you start to talk to him, he realizes, look, this technology and this things we developed, this submarine, I don't want this to fall in the hands of any powers because, you know, they'll use it to find new ways to kill each other. Right. And that seems to be the part of the thing where Tony's coming from in that second one. And maybe they can carry that theme like you're talking about 
And it is kind of a weird thing because he wants to be accountable, but yet he didn't want to turn over the armor. But I can understand not turning over the armor. And it does remind me even of the first film when he's talking about how he's went for years was developing these weapons with really no accountability. Mm-hmm. So I can I can understand him coming in and saying, no, we're, I, we need to be held accountable for what we do with what we have. We don't turn over our weapons, but what our actions need to be held accountable. So mm-hmm. that, I like how they're going with that. that. That'll be very interesting, and I think they'll be able to find a way, similar to what I think Batman and Superman is going to do, where you understand both sides of the argument, but in the end, they'll probably have a common villain that can come together to say, no, you know, our, our feud has nothing on what this villain's going to do and the people are going to get hurt if we don't work together. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know, I don't think I've heard any information about who the villain of this is going to be. We know Crossbones is in it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And perhaps maybe somebody more. I don't know. I haven't really dug in on this, but I'm sure in the in the coming days we'll hear something. Now, I did uh, read where somebody had had uh, you know put some dots together, whatever, but that there was going to maybe be some sort of an incident or something, uh, an explosion. That Crossbones has done, but manages to frame it up to where it looks like the Winter Soldier has done it, and that's about the time that Steve catches up to him with his arms stuck in whatever this machinery is. Mm-hmm. That maybe it's tied to it. Maybe the Winter Soldier was there trying to stop it, but nobody will, you know, look at him and say, "Oh, you're here. You're trying to stop this." Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think part of the plot is also going to show that Bucky's past mm-hmm. as the Winter Soldier is going to be revealed. And that that is just as much a reason as to why he is being uh, pursued by the government as anything else. Yeah, he was very feared uh, in the underground circles of things like S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. They knew his name and they feared what he was capable of. And when you consider how long they, you know, Hydra had been managed to use him, you know, you've, you've got a, a few decades in there. So who knows how many decades they were sending him out and doing things. Mm-hmm. So you've got this long history throughout the Cold War, you know, perhaps, of him being used, which was kind of how the comics established him, you know. So mm-hmm. he's got, like, that star, you know, on his shoulder. There was part of, you know, the Russians were supposed to be using him. So, yeah, there's a lot of that past that can be brought in of this long history of all the things that he's done when he wasn't really himself. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I know at some point, because of how things are probably going to progress, that somewhere they will be able to show that Bucky was not himself. And he was kind of a, like a robot, and but now he's a different person. He's back to being Bucky. That they all have things in the Smithsonian about him, uh, because you know, like in the comics, you know, for a while, you know, Bucky was Captain America, and mm-hmm. since there's a, a, a limit to um, the contract they have with um, Chris, um, right out Chris my Evans, head. Chris Evans, yes, there's a limited contract for how many times right now he's set to play Captain America. There's been speculation that maybe they'll have a different person be Captain America. And I'm thinking, how cool would it be if they went ahead and had the Winter Soldier become the new Captain America for a while? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, you know, with the... I, I mentioned it a couple of shows ago. I think with, uh, you know, we can see these secondary uh, legacy characters like the Winter Soldier, like um, War Machine mm-hmm. uh, coming in. Um, we can see them fill, uh, filling the roles that the... Uh, previous hero had and so we'll see you know just exactly what happens and and you know that's a very real possibility is that these new characters could be taking over you know in sort of a legacy type way yeah very very interesting and of course we have to mention that we finally got our first first good look at black panther t'challa t'challa which is just fun to say anyway t'challa 
<laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Wakanda really figures into the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. Because uh, we know that it was introduced in uh, Avengers 2 with uh, Claw and mm-hmm. his Vibranium. And so oh, we'll really find out. He may show up as a full villain in this. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, you know, I, I really found him rather disarming. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, plus, you, you can't go wrong with Andy Circus anymore, really. I mean, that guy, he's just... He can be scary and yet be, you know, so, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pitiable, you know, with, with, with Jesse does in his voice. And when you see, like, in Lord of the Rings, the filming where they would, they would have him on set to act out what Gollum was going to do before that he'd come through and would just be the voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the facial expressions and stuff that he was capable of. My goodness, this is a great actor. And I mean, goodness sakes, he's going to be, you know, we're going to see him in The Force Awakens. As a, as apparently the big bad overall that we really haven't gotten to see anything of yet. Oh, that's because he's Jar Jar. <laughs> sure, he's Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to get rid of Ahmed Best and you know bring in Andy Serkis because he was much. He got an Oscar for his uh, animated, not really their character, you know. <laughs> but so you know, Andy Serkis now he's established in the Marvel universe. Now he's going to be in the Star Wars universe. This guy's going to be everywhere, and we just, he's an odd looking guy, but he's so talented and does such things with his voice that I'm just excited about this. And I hope he is in Captain America Civil War. I'd love to see him come mm-hmm. in because that would be a great way to get T'Challa in there. You are correct, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this next installment uh, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, really, it's, uh, you know, as much as it is going to be uh, a subset of an Avengers film. Uh, it's still going to be really good to see all of these characters interacting outside of a of an Avengers movie and to see these new additions like T'Challa, uh, to see Ant-Man be part of this group mm-hmm. and to see uh, some kid swinging around. Yeah, they didn't show anything, but we know he's in there. <laughs> I, I, I want to see what they do with Spider-Man, and I, I hope they give him more of a Sam Raimi costume than we get from a, the... Um, um, the other guy who directed the Amazing Spider-Man movies, who actually did a good job, but I did not like that first mm-hmm. costume design in the first movie. Well, and I certainly hope that he's more uh, uh, quippy than snarky. Yeah, that would be a good thing, too. <laughs> yes, I want to see a good Spider-Man, because this is the one we're going to have for time upon end until everybody gets tired of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or until we really want to get Miles Morales involved. Uh, But... Can't he be a different character? I mean, let him be in there, but does he have to be a Spider-Man? Because I like having my Peter Parker Spider-Man. Miles Morales could be another character. Give him a new new, new name. I don't know. Well, I, well, again, we're talking legacy here. Yeah, so yeah. so let's let the teenager get into Empire State University and get his life figured out before we start looking at any uh, legacy follow-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so overall for these three trailers, now basing this on, you know, not having familiar, if you went through two of them, having no familiarity with the characters, but if you were just seeing these, you didn't know these movies would come out, what would you give these score? Uh, we'll go through the A through an F scale. All right, what score would you give Batman versus Superman? For Batman versus Superman, I'd probably give it a three. I mean, you've got three very recognizable uh, characters from pop culture and Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. You know, so there might be people that are interested in it, but again, if all they're seeing is, you know, stuff blowing up and destruction and fighting, unless that's uh, something that you're already in and that you would be familiar with the characters from, I don't think that a general person 
would be would otherwise be very motivated to go see it. So we'll call that a C since we're going for letter grades. Right, right. <laughs> so you give it a C, about an average for trailer. I'm going to give that trailer a B because I wasn't really interested before, but now I am starting to get interested. So I think they did a pretty good job with putting that trailer together to, to get my attention, to make me think, maybe this might be worth my time. Okay, Zootopia, what letter grade would you give that? Well, I think a lot of people um, are going to be interested in it because it is Disney. It's the next Disney movie. Uh, I don't think that there's anything that really distinguishes it as Disney, though. Uh, so unless you're looking at that uh, Disney logo, you're not going to recognize it. It, it. it could be easily confused with any of the myriad other animal CG movies that are out there. So, yeah. um, And it did give us an, uh, a look into the characters, uh, a little bit more than the teaser trailer. So I'll probably give this uh, close to a B. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a C because it seemed to me the main selling point that I that makes me want to see it is that it is a Disney film. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a Disney film, this yeah was was kind of fun with the sloth, but it didn't really hook its mitts into me. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting to see more because this is a Disney film. I know there's a lot more to it than what we got to see. So as a trailer, I'm, I would give it a C okay. for building okay. interest. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. All right. And of course, our third trailer, Captain America Civil War. How would you rate this trailer? Like I said, uh, uh, right before we listened to it, it's all about the feels. I'm giving this an A. Um, because even if you don't know the characters, you can still feel that there's this emotional story being told. Oh, yeah. I definitely got to give it an A, maybe even an A plus for just building the excitement. Because I knew it was going to be good, but even the way that they layered it and built some character around it, even with the bit of dialogue where, and I'm sure it's somewhere jokingly said where Tony says, sometimes I just want to punch your perfect teeth in. Mm -hmm. That's such great character stuff right in there. But you also leads into like, yeah, there's going to be this throwdown and to get just a a preview of Iron Man, which I saw a new type of armor, which does look more like the modern comics where he's, it's a lot more sleek in the design. Uh, just getting that quick glimpse of it where he's fighting the Winter Soldier and Captain America and seeing how Winter Soldier and Captain America are both using the shield. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. God, just gets me excited. So definitely an A on that one. I cannot wait for May and I, I'd love to see how this is going to affect Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, definitely. It's going to. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. But there it is, folks. The first visit to the Neverland Trailer Park. <laughs> That's right, Chewie. It's time once more to dive into some Star Wars content. And first thing I definitely want to say before I start playing the audio from the story of The Empire Strikes Back is it has been released this week that George Lucas has gotten a chance to screen The Force Awakens, and he liked it, and he will be at the premiere to, of course, view it again. Uh, so that's encouraging that he did enjoy it. We, I like that. That's good news, you know, because this is his baby in a way, even though he had nothing to do with this film. I mean, the franchise is all his. So to hear that he liked it, definitely, of course, I knew I, I was excited for this any, anyway, and I was really expecting this to be good. Uh, it's very encouraging so far, you know, because hearing that Daisy Ridley had cried after a viewing, well, of course, you're in it, so you might be just really excited that you're in it, you know, so, but George Lucas, who basically, you know, has divorced himself from Star Wars and has not worked on it at all, for him to say that he liked the film, I find that very encouraging. But enough talk from me. Here we go. The story of The Empire Strikes Back. It is 
a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, dispatches thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. One of the Imperial probes finds its mark, the rebel force's inhospitable planet. Not far away, Luke Skywalker reins his 10-foot Tauntaun to a halt. He takes out his electro-binoculars and scans the area, then makes a routine report to Han Solo, notorious space smuggler and friend of the Rebel Alliance. Echo 3 to Echo 7. Hano, buddy, do you read me? Loud and clear, kid. What's up? Well, I finished my circle. I don't pick up any life readings. There's enough life on this ice cube to fill a space cruiser. Sensors are placed. I'm coming back. Right, I'll see you shortly. There's a meteorite that hit the ground near here. I want to check it out. It won't take long. <laughs> Steady. Hey, Steady, girl. Hey, what's the matter? You smell something? With one crushing blow, a powerful snow beast knocks Luke unconscious to the ground. The savage Wampa then snaps the neck of the terrified Tom-Tom. Effortlessly, he drags the helpless victims to his lair. Unaware that Luke is in danger, Han Solo returns to the hidden base. He makes his way to the makeshift command center deep inside an icy cavern. There, he confers with General Riken. Commander Skywalker reported in yet? No, he's checking out a meteorite that hit here. General, I gotta leave. I can't stay anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, there's a price on my head. If I don't pay off Jabba the Hutt, I'm a dead man. You're a good fighter, Solo. I hate to lose you. Thank you, General. Noticing Princess Leia Organa's reaction to his announcement, Han approaches her. Well, Your Highness, guess this is it. That's right. Don't get all mushy on me. So long, Princess. Han! Yes, Your Highness. Han, we need you. We need? Yes. Well, what about you need? I need. I don't know what you're talking about. Probably do. You're a great help to us. You're a natural leader. No, that's not it. Come on. Uh, come on. You're imagining things. Am I? Then why are you following me? Fredo's gonna leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? I just assumed he's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. You can use a good kiss! Han storms through the main hangar area toward his space-worn starship, the Millennium Falcon. There, his faithful Wookiee co-pilot, Chewbacca, works on the ship's hyperdrive system. Han is hailed by C-3PO, a bronze humanoid robot, and his droid companion, R2-D2. Excuse me, sir. 
Might I have a word with you, please? What do you want? Well, it's Princess Leia, sir. She's been trying to get you on the community. I turned it off. I don't want to talk to her. Well, Princess Leia is wondering about Master Luke. He hasn't come back yet. She doesn't know where he is. Nobody knows where he is. Ooh, nobody does. Well, uh, you see... Deck officer! Deck officer! Yes, sir? You know where Commander Skywalker is? I haven't seen him. It's possible he came in through the south entrance. He might have forgotten to check in. I'd like to. The speeder's ready? Uh, not yet. We're having some trouble adapting them to the cold. Let's go out on Tauntaun. Sir, the temperature's dropping too rapidly. That's right. My friend's out in. Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. We'll see you in hell. Yeah. Han urges his reluctant Tauntaun into the bitter cold in search of his friend, who at this moment hangs helplessly in the Wampus Cave. Regaining consciousness, Luke realizes that his lightsaber lies just beyond his reach. Using the force within him, he draws the weapon into his hand. Luke cuts his bonds and slashes out the Wampa with the lightsaber, inflicting a grievous wound. Exhausted, cold, unable to go on, Luke collapses in the snow. Who? It is the voice of his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who? His presence penetrates Luke's semi-conscious mind. Ben? You will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system? There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. Ben! Ben? Luke! Luke! As night begins to fall, Han finds Luke, delirious and near death. Don't do this, Luke. Come on, give me a sign here. Suddenly, the Tauntaun bellows, and unable to withstand the desperate cold, falls lifeless to the ground. Acting quickly, Han slits the beast open. Hang on, kid. He stuffs his shivering comrade inside the animal's still warm carcass. This may smell bad, kid, but it'll keep you warm till I get the shelter up. something. Not much, but it could be a life form. Commander Skywalker, do you copy? This is Rogue Two. Good morning. Nice for you guys to drop by. Echo Base, this is Rogue Two. I found them. Repeat, I found them. In the medical center, Luke Skywalker is suspended in a tank of rejuvenating Bacta fluid. Monitored by robot surgeons, he makes a rapid recovery. 
Master Luke, sir, it's so good to see you fully functional again. Thanks, Jeepy. Artu expresses his relief also. How you feeling, kid? You don't look so bad to me. In fact, he looks strong enough to pull ears off a of Gundar. Thanks to you. Well, Your Worship, looks like you managed to keep me around for a little while longer. I had nothing to do with it. General Rykin thinks it's dangerous for any ships to leave the system until we've activated the energy field. That's a good story. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Headquarters personnel report to command center. Princess, we have a visitor. We picked up something outside the base of Zone 12 moving east. It's metal. An Imperial probe droid. We better start the evacuation. Aboard an Imperial Star Destroyer in another part of the galaxy, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, receives the news he has been waiting for. Admiral? Yes, Captain. I think we've got something, sir. The report is only a fragment from a probe droid in the hot system, but it's the best lead we've had. You found something? Yes, my lord. That's it. The rebels are there. And I'm sure Skywalker is with them. Set your course for the Hoth system. General Veers, prepare your men. As certain elements of the rebel forces prepare to fight a rear guard action, Princess Leia dispenses orders for the evacuation. All troop carriers will assemble at the north entrance. The energy shield can only be opened for a short time. When you've gotten past the energy shield, proceed directly to the rendezvous point. Understood? Yeah. Good luck. Imperial walkers. Gargantuan armored behemoths 20 stories high advance menacingly toward the rebel complex. Luke and his courageous squadron join in attack formation to face the awesome intruders. Echo Station 5-7, we're on our way. Alright boys, keep tight now. Alright, coming in. That armor's too strong for blasters. Rogue group, use your harpoons and tow cables. Go for the lake. It might be our only chance of stopping. Rogue three. Copy, rogue leader. Set your harpoon. Follow me on the next pass. A gunner makes ready the powerful suction-tipped harpoon as the fighter moves in for the pass. Steady, Rogue Two. Activate harpoon. Good shot, Jensen. The harpoon, trailing an unwinding cable, attaches itself to the impenetrable leg armor of the plotting Imperial One Walker. As the aircraft circles, the cable entangles its legs. Let her go! Detach cable! The giant machine is brought to its knees. Meanwhile, the situation at the command center grows more perilous. Why are you still here? And the command center's in here. You've got your clearance to leave. Don't worry, I'll leave. First, we're gonna get to your ship. Imperial troops have entered the base. Imperial troops have entered... Come on, that's it. 
Give the evacuation code signal. And get your transport. Oh, wait, I mean, begin retreat. An imperial laser blast seals the passageway leading to the transports in safety. Transport, this is Solo. Better take off. I can't get to you. I'll get her out on the Falcon. <laughs> Where are you going? Come back. Another blast starts an ice cave-in and all but buries the frightened C-3PO. Hurry up, Golden Rod! You're gonna be a permanent resident! Wait! Wait! Then, more trouble. Stormtroopers, dodging and running, the trio barely evades the deadly laser fire. Only steps ahead of the enemy, they reach the Millennium Falcon. As the attackers close in, Han and Chewie prepare for liftoff. Now their escape depends on the Falcon's unpredictable drive system. Come on! Come on! Switch over. Hope we don't have a burnout. Punch it! The ship blasts off, bound for deep space and an uncertain destiny. But their journey is interrupted by the pursuing elements of the Imperial fleet. I saw him! I saw him! Saw what? Star Destroyer! Throw him coming right at us! Prepare to make the jump to light speed. But, sir! They're getting closer. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Watch what? We're in trouble. If I may say so, sir, I noticed earlier the hyperdrive motivator has been damaged. It's impossible to go to light speed. We're in trouble. That wasn't a laser blast. I'm near that. Chewie, set 271. What are you doing? You're not actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? Said you want to be around when I made a mistake. Well, to be a sweetheart. I take it back. I'm going to closer to one of the big ones. Closer? Closer? Oh, this is suicide. There, that looks pretty good. Han dives skillfully into the gaping mouth of a bottomless plate. Luke's destiny has taken a different path. He approaches the planet of the Jedi Master. Yep, that's it. Dagobah. No, I'm not going to change my mind about this. I'm not picking up any cities or technology. Massive life form readings, though. There's something alive down there. Yes, I'm sure it's perfectly safe for droids. Suddenly. A raging electrical storm plays havoc with the X-Wing's delicate instruments. The ship plummets down. I know, I know! All the scopes are dead. I can't see a thing. Thick fog blankets the planet. Just hang on. I'm gonna start the landing cycle. Rocketing its way through dense vegetation, it plunges into the gloomy murkiness of a steamy jungle swamp.
No, Archie, you stay put. I'll have a look around. R2? A little R2 unit topples into the water. R2! With one great gulp, a hideous swamp serpent swallows R2-D2. Fortunately, R2 doesn't taste as good as he looks. The serpent spits him out and he lands head first in the muddy bank. <sighs> oh, no. Are you all right? Come on. You were lucky to get out of there. Anything broken? If you're saying coming here was a bad idea, I'm beginning to agree with you. It's really a strange place to find a Jedi Master. I don't know. I feel like... Feel like what? Like we're being watched. Away, put your weapon. I mean you no harm. An ancient elfin creature, no more than two feet tall, watches Luke with questioning eyes. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> right. Help you, I can. Yes. I don't think so. I'm looking for a great warrior. <laughs> Great warrior. <laughs> Wars not make one great. <laughs> Put that down. Now we. Hey! It's my dinner! A gray skinned goblin begins to rummage through Luke's food supply. How you get so big you food of this kind? We didn't need to land in that puddle, and if we could get our ship out, we would, but we can't, so why don't you just... get your ship out. Can help you? I will. Find your friend. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Jedi Master? Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Take it to him, I will. Yes, yes. Come, come. Following their diminutive guide, Luke and R2-D2 slog through the oppressive jungle bog. Aboard his Star Destroyer, Darth Vader is in communication with the mighty Galactic Emperor. The Dark Lord hears of a disturbing development. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. We have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. He's just a boy. The Force is strong with him. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes. Yes. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. How far away is Yoda? Will it take us long to get there? Not far. Yoda, not far. <laughs> Patience? <laughs> Why wish you become Jedi? Hmm? Mostly because of my father, I guess. Uh, father? Powerful Jedi, was he? <laughs> Powerful Jedi. Oh, come on. How could you know my father? You don't even know who I am.
No, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. You will learn patience. Hmm. Yeah. He is not ready. Yoda. I am ready. I... Ready, are you? What knows you of ready? For 800 years have I trained Jedi. This one, a long time have I watched. All his life has he looked away to the future, to the horizon. Never his mind on where he was. Hmm? What he was doing. Hmm. You are reckless. So was I, if you remember. Will he finish what he begins? I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Having eluded Darth Vader's forces by diving into a large crater, the Millennium Falcon comes to rest inside an immense cavern deep within an uncharted asteroid. The doors open. Tentatively, the fugitives step onto the spongy surface. The ground sure feels strange. I feel like rock. There's an awful lot of moisture in here. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Where? Drawing his blaster, Han points it at the cavern floor. There's an instant and terrifying reaction. The ground begins to tremble. Within seconds, the entire chamber is convulsed by shockwaves of surging tremors. The ground quivering under their feet, Han and the others race toward the Millennium Falcon. The ship maneuvers towards the opening through two rows of giant rocks. Look! I see it, I see it. We do! The cave is collapsing! There's no cave. What? Just as it emerges from the yawning crater, the hole snaps shut with an angry roar. They have narrowly escaped from the very mouth of an enormous space slug and into the arms of the Imperial fleet. Attack position. Han's frontal attack startles the starship's commander. 
sack them. We may come around for another pass. Captain Nita, the ship no longer appears on our scopes. At the last second, Han ducks under the massive enemy craft. They can't have disappeared. No ship that small has a cloaking device. Well, there's no trace of them, sir. Attached to the underside of the Star Destroyer, like a pilot fish on a whale, the Falcon cruises serenely in a radar blind spot. Fleets begin to break up. Hmm. What's David mind for your next move? Well, if they follow standard Imperial procedure, they'll dump their garbage before they go to light speed, and then we just float away. The rest of the garbage. Then what? Then we gotta find a safe port somewhere around here. Oh, wait. This is interesting. Lando. Lando system? Lando's not a system. He's a man. Lando Calrissian. He's a card player, gambler, scoundrel. You'd like him. Can you trust him? No. He's got no love for the Empire, I can tell you that. Here we go, Chewie. Stand by. Detach. Han allows the Millennium Falcon to drift away with the Imperial waste. At a safe distance, he activates the engines and heads for Bespin, home of Lando Galrissian. But he is not alone. No, I don't have a landing permit. I'm trying to reach Lando Calrissian. Oh, wait, wait a minute, let me explain. You will not deviate from your present course. Rather touchy, aren't they? Permission granted to land on platform 327. Thank you. They descend into the magnificence that is Cloud City. No one to meet us. I don't like this. Keep your eyes open, huh? Hey! Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. You got a lot of guts coming here. After what you pulled. Lando's greeting creates a tense moment. <laughs> How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. I never thought I'd catch <laughs> you again. He seems very friendly. <laughs> yes. Very friendly. And how you doing, Chewbacca? You still hanging around with this loser? <laughs> Hello, what have we here? And who might you be? Leia. Welcome, Leia. Hello, sir. I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. My facilities are at your... Ignoring C-3PO, oh, really? Lando leads the, the others away. Hyperdrive. I'll get my people to work on it. Good. Inside Lando's complex. That sounds like an auto unit in there. I wonder if. Hello? A familiar beep arouses C3PO's insatiable curiosity. Who are you? Oh my. Oh, I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I, I didn't mean to intrude. No, no, no. Get out. The hapless droid is blasted apart by an unknown enemy. Back on the planet Dagobah, Luke is in training with Yoda, the Jedi Master. Using the Force, the aspiring young Jedi suspends various objects in midair, including R2-D2. Concentrate. Feel the Force. Right. Through the Force, things you will see, other places, the future, the past, old friends long gone. Han, 
Luke breaks concentration, and the objects fall to the ground. Control, control, you must run control. I saw City in the clouds. Mm. Friends you had there. They were in pain. I've got to go to them. Decide you must how to serve them best. If you leave now, help them you could, but you will destroy all for which they have fought and suffered. But Han and Leia will die if I don't. Luke, I don't want to lose you to the Emperor the way I lost Vader. You won't. If you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. I cannot interfere. I understand. R2, fire up the converters. Luke, don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. Told you I did. Reckless is he. Now, matters are worse. That boy is our last hope. No. There is another. The ship's almost finished. Two or three more things and we're in great shape. The sooner the better. Something's wrong here. No one has seen or knows anything about 3PO. He's been gone too long to have gotten lost. Chewie enters carrying a box of bronze and bolts that were once the loyal C-3PO. What happened? Where? Found him in a junk pile. Oh, what a mess. Chewie, you think you can repair him? Thanks. I'm sorry, am I interrupting anything? Not really. You look absolutely beautiful. Would you join me for a little refreshment? Everyone's invited, of course. Having trouble with your droid? No. No problem. Why? Lando escorts his guest through the corridors towards the lounging area. So you see, since we're a small operation, we don't fall into the uh, jurisdiction of the Empire. So aren't you afraid the Empire is going to find out about this little operation? Shut you down? I've just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. fires at Vader, but the Dark Lord renders the laser bolts harmless. We would be honored if you would join us. I had no choice. They arrived right before you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. The reluctant guests are now totally within his power. Later, under confinement in the living quarters, Chewie tries to reassemble 3PO. He meets with limited success. One part Chewbacca does fix is the deactivation switch. That's very good. I like that. Oh! Something's not right because now I can't see. Oh, that's much better. Wait! Wait! Oh, my! What have you done? I'm backwards! You stupid bubble! You know, you would be stupid enough to... Han is shoved in the room by the guards, a victim of Vader's electronic torture. Moments later, Leia is thrust into the room. 
Why are they doing this? Get out of here, Lando. Shut up and listen. The Vader's agreed to turn Leia and Chewie over to me. Over to you. Vader wants us all dead. He doesn't want you at all. He's after somebody called a Skywalker. Luke. Lord Vader set a trap for him. And we're the bait. Yeah, well, he's on his way. Stormtroopers herd the helpless rebel band to a laboratory in another part of the compound. There, the Dark Lord prepares for the arrival of Luke Skywalker. This facility is crude, but it should be adequate to freeze Skywalker for his journey to the Emperor. Lord Vader, ship approaching X-Wing class. Good. Monitor Skywalker and allow him to land. Lord Vader, we only use this facility for carbon trees. If you put him in there, it might kill him. I do not want the Emperor's prize damaged. We will test it on Captain Solo. Put him in. Tries desperately to save his friend. Get off, kill me! Han steps onto a platform, suspended above the freezing chamber. Grotesque hogs bind him, then scuttle into position. Han is lowered into the freezing chamber. Well, Calrissian, did he survive? Yes, he's alive. And in perfect hibernation. He's all yours, bounty hunter. Reset the chamber for Skywalker. Skywalker has just landed, Lord. Good. See to it that he finds his way in here. Calrissian, take the princess and the Wookiee to my ship. You said they'd be left in the city under my supervision. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. As the stormtroopers escort the rebels to the Imperial Star Destroyer, they catch sight of Luke and R2-D2, who have come in search of their friends. ensuing laser fight, Luke is oblivious to her warning and ducks into a darkened chamber. Immediately, the door closes behind him. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. The Dark Lord's plan has worked in perfection. They draw their lightsabers. As the stormtroopers hurry their captives down the corridor, Lando executes his own plan. Summoned by a secret signal, his men overpower the Imperial troopers. Well done. 
Attention. This is Lando Carissian. The Empire has taken control of the city. I advise everyone to leave before more Imperial troops arrive. What do you think you're doing? Getting out of here. This way. Fighting their way through Imperial reinforcements, the fugitive band makes a desperate attempt to reach the landing platform. In the midst of their flight, two old friends are reunited. Well, at least you're still in one piece. What happened to me? Under fire, they dash across the landing platform, finally reaching their only hope of escape, the Millennium Fountain. Helplessly, as Lando steers for open space and freedom. But the prize that has eluded Darth Vader for so long now stands before him. The Dark Lord of the Sith moves into the attack. <laughs> Much, young one. You'll find I'm full of surprises. Lightsabers flashing, the adversaries curves in a ferocious duel. Your destiny lies with me, Skywalker. Obi-Wan knew this to be true. No. Luke's answer is a vicious thrust which his more experienced foe easily deflects. With a series of furious strokes, Vader forces Luke onto the edge of a towering gantry. You are beaten. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as Obi-Wan did. Luke sees an opening and delivers a painful blow. But Vader responds with a devastating slash. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. Join me complete your training with our combined strength we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy i'll never join you if you only knew the power of the dark side obi-wan never told you what happened to your father he told me enough he told me you killed him no i I'm your father. No. No. That's not true. That's impossible! Luke, come with me. It is the only way. Without hesitation, Luke leaps off the gantry and plummets downward, preferring an almost certain death to joining Darth Vader. The wounded rebel drops headfirst into one of Bespin's way chutes. Luke hurtles down the tube, heading towards the open hatch that will dump him into space. Shooting through the hatch, he miraculously snags on a weathering beneath the planet. Dangling by his legs, Luke sways helplessly in the wind.
Millennium Falcon, Leia senses Luke's plea. We've got to go back. What? We have to go back. But what about those fighters? Should we just do it? Returning to Vespin, Lando spots the weather vane. Look, someone's up there. It's Luke. Chewie, slow down. Slow down and we'll get under. Lando, open the top hatch. The new ally reaches for Luke, grabbing him before he can slip into endless space. Lando? Okay, let's go. Destroyer. All right, Chewie. Ready for light speed. As Luke is born away, the Dark Lord of the Sith realizes his evil quest must continue. Having safely reached a rebel transport, Lando and Chewie prepare to blast off on a dangerous mission, the rescue of Han Solo. While Luke, Leia, R2, and 3PO remain on the transport headed for the rendezvous on Tatooine, the friends part sadly. Luke, we're ready for takeoff. Good luck, Lando. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Princess, fine hand. Promise. Take care, you two. May the Force be with you. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for us here at the Neverland Podcast. And unfortunately, it's time to leave Neverland and return to your regular life. But we hope we've done a little bit of good for you today and that you do remember to keep a hold of that pixie dust. And by keeping that pixie in your pocket, remember we mean to keep that young at heart, good attitude. Keep that with you so you can spread a little pixie dust to somebody else with a simple smile, hug, or a handshake. Something simple. Just do something nice and spread a little pixie dust. Next week, if all goes well, we'll be speaking to pianist and great all great overall musician and comp- composer Tom Amin. He's got a new album that's come out here on Monday, Journey to the Stars, featuring Star Wars music. He, he does all this great music on piano. He's done a lot of great Disney music. Uh, unless something goes crazy with schedules, I will be talking to him this week and present it to you next time at the Neverland Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. 
Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverlandpcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.